0: Welcome back to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. This is Stephanie, your host, and I am so glad that you are here with us today. And so today kicks off finance week for us, and we are going to be talking all about women and wealth. And if you aren't already, make sure to head over to Instagram and follow at legacy underscore through underscore motherhood or Facebook. It's just Legacy Through Motherhood for some daily financial encouragement this week. And so our guest today, you guys, is so passionate about normalizing wealth for women and believes that we have got to get more money in the hands of good people so that they can do great things with that money. You know, there are a lot of misconceptions out there around wealth. People tend to think that the rich are selfish or maybe self-serving or that they've somehow idolized climbing this corporate ladder over, you know, pursuing Jesus, if they have somehow reached this American dream. And if you have followed me for any amount of time, you know that talking about finances fires me up. (laughs) Well, I have also learned that finances fire up our guests as well. And so she has lived far below the poverty line with her family and spent her days literally consumed with how to just stretch a single Dollar, and many times having to choose between two basic needs for her family. And now she runs a multiple seven-figure business that she has built from the ground up. And oh, how her mindset around money has changed. I am so excited to welcome my mentor and just all-around powerhouse, Ali Casaza. All right, welcome, Ali. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. I just love talking to you. I'm I'm super excited, and you know what's funny? Um, actually, I was going to say this before we got put record, but you know, you're the whole reason that this podcast even started. Do you remember even when I messaged you when I when I launched this? Because I was listening to one of your episodes once, and you were talking about like your life of content creating and podcasting and all of these things. And I'm sitting here like with a pile of IEPs in front of me, like. What the heck? Mm. Like, I want to do that. <laughs> yeah, and I did not so I, know like, that.
1: I don't remember that. Yeah. That's amazing.
0: And so I literally, like, my husband knew obviously because I like went, you know, did it together with him. And I like called my mom and messaged you. I'm like, you don't even know who I am, but literally this podcast exists right now because you like motivated me at 5 a.m. So it's oh my crazy gosh, I love right that <laughs> so much. Yeah,
1: that's so great.
0: Oh my goodness. Okay, so can you just kind of give us on a broader scale, like what you do in your business? Um, And obviously, since this is like financial episode, kind of talk your talk through the financial journey that you guys have been on. Because what I know of it, I know it's like a ride, (laughs) to say the least. It's pretty
1: crazy. I feel like it should be a movie one day or something because it's like, so dramatic. And every time I (laughs) give like a recap, it's like, it just doesn't have the power in it that it actually has. But it, you know, podcasts are supposed to be short, so it is what it is. Right. It's um, totally fine. <laughs> but basically, so in my business, um, I help women, uh specifically moms mostly, who are just feeling really overwhelmed and just kind of stuck in this very stereotypical lifestyle of um, you know, it's a mess, it's chaotic, and the busier you are, the more run down you are, basically the bigger your badge of honor. And I love to just work counterculture and help women simplify their lives, put things into perspective, take ownership. I feel like a lot of um, moms, especially just don't take ownership over their time and their home and their space and their who they are, and there's all this guilt around, you know doing any self-care if it's deeper than like a bubble bath, which isn't even self-care. Like it's just this whole culture for moms is a mess. And I love working against that and really helping empower them to simplify and take ownership and make their life what they want. Um, My life verse is John 10, 10 and I believe that all of us are called to this abundant life that motherhood is not some like survival mode exception to that um, scripture. So That's kind of what I do. There's a lot of different, um, I call them pillars underneath what I do in my business. Like there's um, simplicity and minimalism and decluttering and getting stuff off your calendar and kind of giving your life an audit and asking like, Do you even like how things are going? Like, how are your relationships? What's on your schedule that needs to go? Because it's not really aligned with your purpose and just really kind of combing through all the different pillars of a woman's life so that on the other side, she's so much lighter. She's so much more full of joy. And she feels like the way she's living her days is like actually aligned with her priorities and her purpose. Um, So that's, I know that's like a big, big promise, but that is at the top of what I do. Um, and my business, my business story is so crazy. Basically, we were at a point in our family's life where like I met my husband in junior high, and I, we were friends and towards the end of high school, I was like with somebody else, and just was in love with Brian. Like, I knew I was, like, going to marry him, and I was head over heels, (laughs) and just, but he was, like, so shy, and it wasn't happening, and finally, it did happen, and and we've been together for forever, and so we got married. We, like, dropped out of school and got married and kind of just lived this falling backwards life where we kind of, like fell backwards into being in love, fell backwards into getting married right out of high school, fell backwards into becoming parents because we were told that we wouldn't be able to have kids because of my hormone disorder. So, okay, well, birth control makes me feel like crap. So we'll just forget it. And there's Bella, there's Leland, there's Hudson, <laughs> there's Evan. There's a like, one million that follows. There's follow, a million. <laughs> and so it just, I mean, it's happy. We wanted to have a big family, but we, you know what I mean? Like it just kind of happens. And so we were in this place of being very reactive to life. So what I mean by that is like, oh my gosh, we're married. We have no money. What do you want to do? Let's just like get whatever job we can, like going on monster.com and like getting whatever job you can get. Um, And it was very like blue collar. Um, I had like a real estate license that I never used. I hated selling real estate and Brian worked a blue collar job and I was basically a stay at home mom. Just kind of like fell into this lifestyle never even asking like, is this what we want? Like, do I want to be a stay at home mom? Do you want to do this job? Like we didn't really feel like we had a say because of the way that our life kind of played out. So all that to say, here we are, we had moved to the Midwest for my husband's job. um, And that was based off of a promise made by the company he worked for that was a total lie um he worked for a very very large global company doing like technician work like in uh, internet and tv installations and things like that and we were we were when we were here in california we had four kids and we were not making it like we were how can i even put this so you guys really understand like it was like so broke it was a choice of like oh my gosh I'm going to get my period this week and we don't have any tampons and we don't have any money like that kind of stuff. It was like, can I even get Bobby pins? Like I really need Bobby pins. No, I can't. Okay. I'm going to go back home and dig through the couch and hope that I find one because I really need a Bobby pin today. Like it was, it was absolute, like no extra, which bills should we pay? Like going through the bills and seeing which ones are pink notices, which ones are yellow notices. Well, this one's pink, but it has a red stamp, like final notice. So this one like that kind of, like wow. yeah, all of our energy went into finding dollars, figuring out how to stretch dollars. um our marriage was awful it was like it was sad because we loved each other so much, but money consistently came between us. It was always the topic of conversation. We couldn't have like dates because we couldn't afford to do anything, and even like doing cheap at you know Dave Ramsey kind of thing like at home dates and And doing all of that, it was like pointless because the stress and the pressure and the tension of money and the lack of money on our marriage made it almost impossible to talk about anything else. Um, I'm very, I'm very sad about the conversations that my kids definitely overheard during that point of our, of our marriage. I'm so glad they were so little but the conversations were very based in lack, very panicked, a lot of tension, a lot of screaming at each other, a lot of blame. Um, and by screaming at each other, I mean me screaming because Brian's like a manatee and he's just like patient and floating and calm and there. <laughs> manatee, I don't know <laughs> that he's I've ever heard that, but I get it, he's yeah. He's like there and he's just like docile and sweet. And I'm like uh, the one that was like, we uh, have to figure this out. Yeah. So it was so much tension, a lot of, but just breaking down and crying, like so much emotion surrounding money. And so we took this job offer in the Midwest. We live, we're from Southern California. We're born and raised here. This is where we live now. We love California. Um, And we got a job offer to move to the mountains in Northwest Arkansas. So super opposite of everything that we know. We didn't know anybody there. Um, we didn't have any like friends or family, nothing, but they offered us this job and promised better pay and better hours because we were not only not making it, I never saw Brian. He only had Sundays off and those Sundays were spent freaking out because I wanted to get out of the house with him and go do something. And we didn't have any money and we had to figure out how we we're going to pay rent on Monday because that was coming. Like that was, that was our life for years and years and years. And so we moved to the Midwest, took this job. We were so excited. We got there. They lied about the pay. They lied about the hours. There was definitely less work hours, but it was because there was no pay. There was no overtime available. There was nothing. So we basically took $4 less an hour um, than they promised, which even considering like the, um, I can't think of the word, but just the lifestyle in Arkansas is a lot cheaper than California, but it was $4 less than even that. So we were wow. poorer and we were together more. But that wasn't necessarily a good thing when you're freaking out and you can't pay any bills. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this is where we were. And it was winter. It was freaking freezing. I didn't know how to deal with that. I hated it. There was like icicles on my fence. I don't even know what to do with that. Um, (laughs) Like I couldn't take the kids to the park. We're living in this townhouse. We had moved into a townhouse to just like save money and get settled Um, in this town that everyone said was good. It was actually terrible, very unsafe. It was really just awful. Um and so that is the situation that I started my business in and I say all of that and I go on and on about it because I want you guys to understand the picture I'm painting is important. This was below poverty line. Like, art we had we got we lost our car. We got we had had three cars repossessed before this. Three cars repossessed. Like who does that? You yes. have an income yes. problem. Like you can't pay for it. It was <laughs> awful. Yeah. Um, embarrassing. Like humiliating. I don't know what our friends and family must have thought about us. Like we were, we had so much shame heaped on us. And so in Arkansas, like we're trying to get it together, you know, about a year or uh, maybe six months, more like more like six months went by. We had, we were like about to lose our new car that we had just bought out there. It was like a, $100 $100 payment and we couldn't swing it. Like it was so bad. We had no friends and family, no support system. Um, we had a great church, but that's it. It was so hard that like, we couldn't even afford gas to get there. Um, and I I stood in outside. I took my kids to the park in January because I didn't know any better. And they like couldn't even play. There was ice on the slides. They were like getting cut by the ice. We had to like pack up and leave. And I just stood there like, God, I can't even take my kids to the park. Even like free stuff, I can't enjoy. I don't know why you brought me out here. I'm so angry with you. Like, what is wrong with you? I don't know why you hate me so much. And I don't know like what this was all even for. Like, why won't you help us? And I got this, like, I'm going to try to put it into sentences, but that's not really how God's voice comes for me. At least it's more like this knowing that downloads into my brain. Um, But it was really like, there is something here there is a purpose like basically like don't speak that way to me i know who i am and i know what i'm doing and so i just kind of was honestly annoyed by that and just like went home and decided that i would at least remain open to whatever whatever it was that needed to come out of this awful life and this awful move um and then basically moving on from that part of the story i over the next couple of months because I was open and I was willing to hear, I had this idea. I had a hobby blog that I had had for about maybe five or six years at that point. And I had this idea of like my, I've been, I had been sharing like minimalism and simplicity um, mostly because I was broke and couldn't even afford stuff. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. I did like, my life was very overwhelming and minimalism and really taking control over my physical space um, did give me a sense of empowerment and did help me be a better mom. So I had been sharing that on my blog for years and I was really starting to gain a little bit of a following. Like I had a few hundred followers, which was a really big deal to me at the time and um, kind of was growing up into the thousands a little bit. And they were all asking me to create something for them that would really like more than blog posts, just outline like, how did I do what I did? What kind, like how much kids' stuff should they keep? Like, how do you teach your kids how to be simple when they want all the things and grandparents are giving them all the things? And just this kind of idea of like, could you outline what you did for us and, and teach us? And so, I launched a couple of things that didn't work, but all of that led to my course, which is now called Your Uncluttered Home, which and I have, and it's amazing, which you have. <laughs> when it started out. So small. It was like thirty nine dollars. I pre sold it before it existed. I didn't know how to charge what I was worth because, um, by society standards, sadly, I wasn't worth anything. I, I didn't know. Anything. I didn't go to college. I didn't. I wasn't certified by the National Association of Professional Organizers. Like I didn't know anything. And so I I charged thirty nine dollars for something that I had worked on developing, my, you know, my whole adult life, and I, I pre sold it. And after after an ebook that failed and this other like um, uh, audio program that failed, I, I just had this one last ditch attempt because I had heard about courses. Nobody was doing it yet, but I had heard like this girl had started a company and she was selling courses, teaching people how to make courses, and she made like seventy thousand dollars a month. And I had just never even heard anything like that. Like it it felt like a lie, but she was showing her bank account she was showing like her, her, um, her income, the div the platform she used to get income from her business. She was proving it. She was doing live screen shares so that you could tell it was like not fake. And I just was watching this. Like I've, I've never even understood that that much money could even come to a person in a month. Like even a year would be living to me. And so I just was like, okay, like I had this weird feeling. Like, why did I, why did I even do this? I had no reason to do what I did, but I had this weird feeling. And that same kind of like divine download came into my brain and peace washed over me every time I looked into courses and I didn't feel good about anything else, like coaching or anything. So I just kept walking forward and I created this course. I pre-sold it on a webinar to like a handful of people and and that night in one hour, I made more money than my husband made in a month. Wow. And it wasn't a lot of money because we were broke, but it was like to me. You could buy tampons now. I can go get tampons. <laughs> Come on, Aunt Flo. Like, go right. ahead. Bring like, it. It's yep. So sad, but so true. And so I I realized like this is something. This is definitely something. And I don't know how to keep this going, but I'm on to something. And basically what happened was I continue to build. I I built up a business out of this little idea. And now we make, if I made $70,000 in a month, I would have to fire people. Like that's nothing now. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like we have multiple seven figures a year in our company. Um, We are making impact, helping women, changing the world, creating jobs. Um, There are 17 people that work for me including my husband. He left his job in 2016. Um, we moved back to California. We have a house that we love. We're about to buy our dream house. Um, we give money whenever we feel like somebody needs it. We buy people dinner. We fund adoptions. We're adopting like we are living our purpose and money changed that God used money to change our life so that we could change other people's lives so that we could not have every fiber of our brains going to this this stupid ridiculous question of how are we going to make $20 stretch over two weeks? How can we, what's, where's the coupons? Let's cut coupons. Well, how can we save this? money? how can we, well, let's pay cash for this. Oh, we don't have any cash. Well, let's do, well, my, my tampons, but bobby pins, toothpaste, the kids need this, the diapers. Like I was potty training one of my kids way too young because we couldn't pay for diapers. Do you know the stress a child feels when their mom is like freaking out that they're not pooping in the toilet? And that they're scared of the toilet and you're like, your energy is tense and like, like whisper yelling at this child to like go poop in the toilet because you know that it's the difference of you eating next week or not. And so what I get really upset about is when people in the Christian community say that money is the root of all evil and they have this resistance to wealth and especially, especially for women gaining wealth. That really honestly pisses me off because how ludicrous, like, where are you getting this? What is wrong with you? This is not, how can you further God's kingdom if you don't have any money to back it up? We can only give so much time. And most people have kids, they have families, right? How much time are they really giving to the homeless? How much are they really going and sitting in an orphanage with babies whose parents have died from AIDS? No one's doing that. Missionaries, how do the missionaries do it? Money. money. If you had money, you could give to the orphanage. If you had money, you could literally, you could, if we just all gave, I think it's like $7 or something. There literally would be no hunger in the world. None. And here is everyone like, oh, I am just not in it for the money. Oh, I just, I just want to make enough. I just, all I need is enough to get by. That is where the selfishness comes in, that you're only looking to make enough for you to get by. I believe that we serve the God of abundance, that he is this abundant God who loves us and wants to co-create his kingdom on earth with us. How the heck are we supposed to do that without the tool, the piece of paper that makes the whole world go round? So now I'm super amped up about talking about this and talking to Christians who need to wake the heck up and stop resisting money and go get it so they can change the world. Absolutely. And you know what? I think it's...
0: And so I kind of want to talk about um, a couple of things, but I want to talk about just like, first of all, can we just say, and listen, I've gotten on my soapbox about this, so probably more than people want me to, but like we have got not even talking about wealth, like take a step aside to just money in general. Like Mm -hmm. we have got to start having this conversation. Like there are people Mm -hmm. who are drowning in debt, but it's rude to talk about money or it's taboo to talk about money. So it's like, Mm -hmm. there's, there, there are some of us who have like gotten to the other end where you are debt free. I wasn't always like that. We were done with money, but my mom like figured it out. And so she came back and was like, Hey, let me show you how to do this. And mm-hmm. I I just feel like there was a stat. Um, I think it's 48% of millennials will um, like spend money on something they don't have money for just to keep up with their friends, like their friends. Oh like gosh. we are sitting across the table. We are sitting across the table from the people we love the most at a girls night or whatever. And like mm-hmm. we are just becoming like unknowingly, unknowingly, just being a huge source of like financial pressure. To mm-hmm. our favorite people because we're paying with a debit card because we have budgeted for this or we're not in debt and they're paying with a credit card that's about to be maxed out. That dinner mm-hmm. feels different for those two different sides of the table. So
1: absolutely, I'm not
0: saying you need to have like super specific, tell me what's in your bank account like conversations, but we have to open it up to say, hey, I need help. Like, mm-hmm. or, or at least like we're both struggling to pay off student loans. Like, let's not go out and get a $50 dinner. So just that conversation needs to happen like among for everyone sure.
1: And I think if it does happen too, like it it would be so empowering in different ways. But also like I was just, it's funny that you mentioned the debit card thing because I was just talking to my husband about this. We used to, we used to be those people like paying with a debit card and counting like, okay, how much is the chicken plate going to be? Okay, I'll get a drink, but you won't get a drink and like measuring out like how much this meal is going to cost and paying with it, with our debit for it, with our debit card. Honestly, because we didn't even have a credit card because no one would give us a credit card because our credit was crap and everything was in the, in the tank. But um, like we would feel shame about that. Like, it's so funny that you said that. We would talk about that. and Now we talk about the opposite. We're like, oh, we put everything on a debit card because we have money. <laughs> like we have money in the account. And that's it's like the thing that used to be disempowering is the most empowering thing to buy two Apple computers for workers that you just hired in your company with a debit card is so empowering. Like it's money is so good and it is so everywhere. It's literally being exchanged wherever you're recording right now, outside of your neighborhood, wherever you are, there's money being exchanged like crazy right now. Online in the houses that are surrounding your house right now, there's money being exchanged. Money is a tool. It's literally neutral. It's nothing and it's everything because it makes the world go round. The, po- the power that money has, it only has because we humans assign it to it. So if you think that money is evil and you've been told that it's the root of all evil and you shouldn't be in it for the money and you shouldn't be asking for that raise from your boss, you shouldn't be starting a company, you shouldn't set million dollar goals. What you're doing is you're literally resisting money and that is going to show up in your revenue stream. That's going to show up in your bank account for sure because money only does what we tell it to do. And this is like another problem that I have with the Christian community is that they get very like weirded out. If I say like everything has like an energy and God created us to have an energetic universe and what you, you, like what you focus on expands. If you focus on that money is evil, you act a certain way where you are making decisions subconsciously that are going to push money away from you. Does that make sense so far? Yeah. Yeah. And if you Absolutely. act like money is a tool and I good people need to have good money so they can do good things and you are open to receiving money and you are excited to grow wealth, you are investing your money you are setting yourself up to be wise with your money and you are ready to receive it, what's gonna happen? You are gonna see so much money. You're gonna have raises coming from your boss out of the blue. Your business is going to completely blow up and it's in a good way. And you're gonna see so much revenue coming in because everything is energy. We are energetic beings. If you have a headache, you act like you have a headache that affects your mood, that affects the way you are. Everything is like that. If you're acting in a certain way about money, it's not going to come to you. It's just the way the world works. And I believe that God designed this energetic universe because it's a lesson. What you are, you get more of. What you are not, you don't get any of. So I don't understand why people get worded out by that or why they're like, oh, why are you talking about this? Like, just pray about it and God will provide. Well, yeah, but get up. And use your brain that God gave you and think about how are you acting around money? Where do you have issues? Where are you resisting? Because you can pray and ask God all day long. But if your actions and the way you're talking is saying like, uh, okay, you're saying God help me pay my bills. God help me. I want to help the orphans. But all day long, you're like money is the root of all evil. Um, I don't care. I'm not in it for the money. You're sending mixed signals. And your actions are going to create your thoughts and your words and your actions are going to define your reality. So we have to stop this Christian circle stereotype issue we have around money. And we have to open up to the fact that the bad guys have had the wealth for far too freaking long and the good guys need to show up, stop with this legalistic religious BS and get ready to get really, really wealthy because when good money goes to good people, they do great things for the kingdom of God. And that is what we need right now.
0: Absolutely. And I feel like, too, there's just a, another somewhat narrative. And I always feel a little awkward when I hear it in either a sermon or wherever else. And it's like, if you have somehow, and honestly, this was a block um, with me starting my business. But um, mm. like if you have somehow achieved, air quotes, the American dream, Or, you know, I mean, okay, so your business is obviously amazing. It's you're making a lot of money or whatever. I feel like there are sermons that kind of wrap around this type of success and say, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're going after one thing and you realize that you've climbed a ladder and you've climbed the wrong ladder. Like you're now idolizing Mm -hmm. your success. You're idolizing money. You're idolizing what you were chasing instead Mm -hmm. of keeping Jesus at the center of your business or whatever. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> that is not like a great thing. Like there, there is like this, um, I don't know, a thought or I guess like subtle assumption or whatever, that if you somehow achieve this American dream, you have idolized something else and you have not kept Jesus at the core. And so Absolutely. that makes and me cringe amazing. for some people, like some good people that I know personally in my life, um, that just have wealth. They have Mm -hmm. quote unquote, like climbed the ladder and they make a crap ton of money, but they are some of the most like integrity filled people that I know.
1: The nicest people in my life are the rich people. We have made friends in the wealth community and they are the most generous. Most of the time, if you go to a dinner at their house, they are going to talk about this new charity. I have been in the room at a mansion in California. With new friends, where they were literally all the friends came over, we met their friends, and they were literally pulling out their checkbooks, writing checks because the topic came up about this sex trafficking nonprofit that one of the women had just started, and they were writing six figure checks. That made me want to show up bigger. I can't write a six figure check for a charity right now. I want to get to that point, and that means making more money. And the meanest, most miserable, self centered, self absorbed people that I know are broke because that's what being broke does to you. It takes up all your heart and your mental energy and it puts it on something as menial as money. And it's like, if you would just have it, you wouldn't have to think about it so much. And you could put your money where your mouth is and give money to the things that you say you care about people. Do you know how much it costs to adopt a child? Do You know how many people would do it if they had the money? Mm -hmm. Like it's, This is it's ludicrous that there's this this I know exactly what you're talking about and you know I actually I want to be careful with what I say because I don't want to out this person but I had a conversation with somebody that's high up in um, our church and honestly it's causing me it's really causing me some issues it's really causing me issues with who I'm associating with and where we attend because basically the message was oh that's so great I heard you're like you know oh this is what I always get which is like you know oh my favorite oh I heard you're like famous or something and I was like <laughs> mm, I have a business oh yeah I heard like yeah like yeah like you were like you have talking to Forbes or something and I was like yeah and they're like yeah I just like I love my job but like I'm just really not in it for the money and like I just like would never want to be in that position because I wouldn't want to like get distracted by all the shiny things. And it's like this, uh, you immediately first, first of all, like step back, what's wrong with shiny things. Second of all, you just immediately assumed that I am a terrible person because I'm wealthy and you like read it on the internet somewhere that I, how much money I make. And now you're assuming a whole bunch of things about me and talking at me as if that's true, which is even worse. So it's like very much this, um, This is the way the world works. Poor people are good people. Rich people are selfish, greedy, awful, crude people. And in my experience, I've definitely been around somebody who appears to be very wealthy and is very arrogant and very rude and mean. But I bet you if you really looked deep, maybe they actually wouldn't be so rich. Maybe they'd be living off credit and trying to prove something. Most of the time when somebody Mm -hmm. is very wealthy and they're self-made and they're really really built an empire, they are so humbled and so generous and so kind. And these are the people that live off of like 20% of their income and give away 80 because they make so much money they can. Right.
0: And you know, it's um, interesting. Gosh, I don't, I don't know the exact statistic. It's from, have you ever read uh, Millionaire Dex Door?
1: I have that book, but I have never read it.
0: It's really good. I mean, I'm it's good. It's it more of like a it's more of like a skimming. It just whatever. The point is is that a lot of it is like I mean, I want to say 80 87% of millionaires are like first generation millionaires. So I feel like there's this um backdrop of wealthy people and I'm talking like seven figures like wealthy people that they are trust fund babies or they have just inherited this great amount of wealth and they don't deserve it. They don't know how to handle it or manage it or whatever. Kind of that must be nice sort of mentality. Because isn't Um, that a
1: nice story for the broke people? Yes. That's so much better than I woke up at 4 a.m. every day for two years while I breastfed my baby and I built an empire. What did you do? Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of really? (laughs) No, no. But but this is exactly where I want to
0: go because I think that when you read those statistics in that book, it's like, oh, no, no. Like people who are wealthy, the vast majority, not even like 51, 49%, the vast majority are first generation. And they have figured something out with money or work or passive income or cash flow, like I talked about in the previous episode, to get to this point. And so when we talk about, Allie, your journey of just you know broke as a joke to now. So, yeah. what obviously? Um, I know that there was success in um, your course, I know that that kind of blew up. I know you worked really hard on like studied virality. Um, and this is mm-hmm. just me listening to pretty much every episode that you've ever done, but yeah, <laughs> studying that and um, you know, like a little creepy that I know probably more about you than it's I think. Fine. So, I love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but just really studying like how the heck do I make something like blow up like this and spending a ton of time on that and writing in that in that you know way or whatever. And then it kind of blew up. So but here's here's my question is people make wealth and lose it. People win the lottery and lose it. So it's one thing to even be able to be presented with like a bunch of wealth, whether it be a lottery, an inheritance, or you know, your business blowing up. It's a whole other thing to keep it. So like it's a mindset thing. And so at the very beginning. What were what were some things that helped make you just make that switch in your mind? Was it books? Was it like people you started to listen to? Like what was that?
1: Yeah, um and this is the, this is the thing that I'm sad about in the Christian community and that I would love to be a part of changing and I think it's great that you're a part of changing this too is that I had a really really hard time finding resources that were faith-based and like kingdom kingdom-based for me to go to. So most of the things that I learned are not from there. There's more now. And I definitely have some things I can mention that you could link up for your followers. But um, I honestly, I read a book. The book was You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. Very much not a Christian book, but take the meat throughout the bone situation. Mm -hmm. The idea in that book is about energy. And the energy of money and how it's just a neutral piece of paper. It, it's not even a piece of paper anymore. When was the last time you really saw money? It's all digital now. It's just this thing that buys cheese and coffee and pants and pajamas. Cheese, my girl. Like, cheese. <laughs> like, that's obviously the first thing that's going to come to my mind. And like food for your cat and, you know, a date night out with your husband. Like, it's just this thing. And how do we, why do we have all these stories about it? And those stories that we have and these beliefs we have about money are causing us to resist it. And we're talking out of both sides of our mouth. I just need a, like, I just want I just need money. Like I just need money and then all my problems will go away, but not too much money. Cause I don't want to be a rich, selfish, greedy jerk. Like we're, we're, we have these things and that book changed my life. I had to make up a new email address so that I could start a new Audible account and get that first free book because I couldn't even afford to buy the book. And I laid on my floor with my headphones in and I laid on my carpet and I listened to that book over and over and over again for like, weeks. I just let it play and I asked the Holy Spirit to come over me and speak to me about this message in his voice. Where does this align with me and and what I believe? Like help me. And he did. He showed me. And those working through my money blocks, she has you write a letter to money. In that book, I wrote this letter to money and I saw where I was believing all this. I just assigning so much meaning and personality um, and like villainism to money. And I and it really helped me break down those barriers. I saw that my biggest block was um, I'm wanting I was wanting this business to succeed. I was working my butt off in Arkansas like I was I was working on growing the business and nothing was happening. And I saw that my biggest block was I was raised that my, my father is a Cuban immigrant. So his he came over here and escaped communism, Castro had taken everything from my family that split the family in two. there was murder, like it's like a movie story. It's crazy. And my, wow. my grandparents and my dad escaped and came over here and built from nothing off their backs, like, it's just enough to, to stay here and to live here and to have freedom. So my dad always said, this is you're so privileged. And you will go to college because if you don't go to college, you're going to end up flipping burgers for a living. That's always what he said. That's the example he would use. He said that definitely every week, possibly every day, my entire childhood, if you don't go to college, you're an idiot. Everyone in this family is going to college. We're working so hard, your mom and I, to save up enough money for you to go. My parents were entrepreneurs and they talked all the time about how entrepreneurship is um really not the way to go because it's so stressful and no one's looking out for you. It's, it's only you. Basically, all the reasons that entrepreneurship is great, they used it like this is scary and it's not safe. And so there I was, a mom of four, dropped out of college to get married in Arkansas, starting a business, trying to get wealth. I realized that my biggest block was, if I do this, I'm going to embarrass my dad. And I love my dad. I'm going to prove him wrong. Like my relationship with my dad is very close. We were just on the phone last night for an hour talking about this. because I told him I was going to be on the show today. And we were talking about money. He's changed so much. But I love my dad so much. And I did not want to disappoint him or prove him wrong or make him look stupid and i held on to that block and i sabotaged every opportunity for success that i had for over a year in the beginning of my business because of this block we have to understand yes god is almighty and we can run to him he is our safe haven he is our maker he is he is god and we are not but he has made us in his image and he gave us powerful working minds he gave us bodies full of energy that feel into everything, especially as women, we are so powerful Mm -hmm. and the stories you're telling about money, the things you believe you can and will resist the blessings. God wants to just rain down from the sky on you. If you are letting these blocks be there, because God does not bang the door down and come in and like, here's what I want for you. Go and do it. if he he did that, I wouldn't have been ready. I would have squandered the money. I would have wasted. I would have spent it. I would have gotten rid of it because I would have sabotaged it. He stands at the door and he knocks, right? So it's up to us to get our ish together and work through our subconscious blocks to be in a place where we can receive what he has for us. And he didn't open up those floodgates until I did that. The second I remember I was sitting in my driveway and I was listening to the book and working through my journal, I had paused the book, the audio book, and I was really working through this and I was crying and I was praying. And I, I remember the moment I worked through that college block. The next day we were viral. I woke up to $25,000 in my PayPal account. Um, and I, and the news crew was at my door literally the next day. So we have to get out of his way. This isn't a weird universalism. Everything is energy conversation. It's science. It's a fact. It's the way we were created. And God will not come in and bust through and dump what he wants on you. He waits for you to be ready. So you better work for your blocks and get ready. Yeah. Well, and it's
0: interesting. Um, I remember my uh, pastor a sermon a little while ago about money. And it's like literally like Satan's biggest way on like western civilization it like to get into our hearts and block like kingdom impact is through debt you can't do crap oh you know gosh, what i mean like it's it's just that is like here you want the shiny car like go ahead and get it you know what i mean and it mm-hmm. feels good we get praised by our peers or you know just like the culture for having mm-hmm. a nice car, a nice house, a nice, you name it. Not a single person, well, I, I'm generalizing here, but not a single person can freaking afford it. And so it's like, right. I am going to shut down Western Christianity by money. Like mm-hmm. it, like literally y'all can't do anything because you are so what, you know, the borrower is a slave to the lender, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the way that I wish, and let me, and I'm not going to go into the story, but the way the, – what, like, pumped me up to get out of debt is two things. One, I wanted to be a stay home mom. I didn't have the option to because of the financial choices we made. Um, second was that there was a um, a letter that came into the mail uh, one day, and it was from a nonprofit we supported, and they were asking – they're called Africa Fire Mission. They basically take, like, used um, whatever stuff from firehouses, firemen in the U.S., ship it to Africa. They can still use the stuff, whatever. Anyways, wow. they were they needed a container – um, like $3,000 to ship this container to Africa. And I remember reading that letter and they weren't asking us for the whole $3,000. It was to everybody. I'm like, Justin, I yeah. want to be able to get this letter and say, here's $3,000, go do what you need to do.
1: Mm. And then- The best feeling in the okay. world.
0: Like, I'm like, but we couldn't do that. I'm like, done. We downsized our house. We sold my dream house. You know, we sold, my Justin had an, uh, whatever. I went through this whole, fi- our whole financial story in a previous episode. But then mm-hmm. we just- Downsized, and so now, I mean, we are giving more more money than we are paying for our mortgage. <laughs> yep, <laughs> like, same. The way it has flipped, it's like, oh, like this is where the kingdom work can truly happen. It can happen there, but you're just mm-hmm. so daggone limited. It's just hard. It's
1: That's hard. what I mean. Is like if we serve the God of Abundance, like the universe that we live in, we can't even comprehend it. Like if you go go online and like Francis Chan always has people do this, like look up. Like, just images and and video of what we've even been able to capture of the universe. And this is just one universe. Like, he's so abundant. And we are made in his image. Why are we settling for all these limits? Like, I don't understand. I, like, I I just, I can't understand it. And here's the other thing, too, that I was hoping to say on on this call, is that, like, as you get wealthy, like, enjoy it. Enjoy it. I love my home. We live in a very simple, regular neighborhood, but inside my home, I have upgraded things. I have decorations that make me want to be here. My home removes stress from me and it makes me a better wealth earner. And it makes me a better mom. It makes me a better everything. Enjoy it. Like have a dream car, have a goal, take a vacation. We've been wanting to take a Disney cruise our whole life. And we We actually, it's canceled because of COVID, but we, we did it. We paid, we made the, bought the ticket eight days on a Jamaican cruise, live your life, go, you deserve it. Like go enjoy, like delight in the gifts that God has given you and, and savor that, but it's relative. The house that we're in right now, we could afford a million times more, but we're not. And we're about to buy our, our dream home, but the loan officer keeps saying like, are you sure? I can get you like this way, 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 way more. And it's like, no, this is what we want. Just enough space. This is what we want. This is beautiful. We can host, we have land, we can get horses. Like this is what we want. And so it's, it's all relative. And so who are we to look at other people and be like, oh, they're definitely in debt. Oh, they're so mm-hmm. stupid. Oh my gosh, they're so all about the things. What if you don't know that I didn't go buy that Land Rover cash? Who cares? Like focus on, I think we need to focus on ourselves. And notice too, notice the stories that come up in your head when you see somebody in a G-Wagon. What are you thinking about them? Are you treating them different when they drive in front of you because you're jealous, you're upset? These are all clues to our money stories. And our money stories, when we undo them and we create new ones, that opens up the uh, the ability for God to open up the floodgates because he's not going to do that when you're not ready.
0: Well, because then the wealth becomes a burden and not a blessing, right? Um, That's why people that win a lottery
1: always squander it.
0: Squander it. Yep. Because they will figure out. And um, the book that you sent um, when we started this mastermind, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Holy moly. Yeah. I'm like – have to read it like four times over. But he talks about like your financial blueprint. He said, give me five minutes with someone. Who is it? Who is it? T. Harv Eker. Is that how you pronounce it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like he basically is like – Put me in front of somebody for five minutes. I will literally tell you what their financial life will look like for the next 60 years because of mm-hmm. the way they talk, because of how they viewed money in their childhood, whether they had a lot or a little, um, you know, whatever else. So I wonder, like, you know, I don't even know. Like, I wonder what the conversation looks like as we transition. A, we learn obviously as much as about money and how it works ourselves, But then, like, how do we now take this and teach it to our children? Like, have you started this conversation? Is it an ongoing conversation with your kids? Are there books that you're, I know yours are getting a little bit older, probably not reading like,
1: (laughs) maybe they are reading some uh, books (laughs) books like this.
0: Yeah,
1: no, (laughs) no, not yet. Yeah, for me, um, for, okay. So for Brian and I, it's really, it's been a lot of conversation between the two of us about this, because also like, that's why I said at the beginning that I have a lot of heaviness in my soul about what they heard in the beginning of everything. And I, I know now how important the words we say about money are. And I we have dug through my own childhood and had to work through so much. And it pains me so much that I, in their little subconsciouses, I, I put that there. I put fear and lack. And um, really, honestly, when we do that, we're moving away from the truth of, of Christ, that he is abundant and there is no limit. Are you kidding me? literally nothing is a limit. We are the ones that put limits. And so with the kids now, it's very much like, um, actually recently my daughter, she's 11. She came into my room. Um, and she was like, mom, I'm just anxious about something. Um, my friend like was talking to me. She was like FaceTiming with her friend. Um, and she was like, are you guys rich? And Bella was like, didn't really know what to say. And she was like, What do you mean? She's like, Well, it's just like, it seems like you're like, your family is rich because you do a lot of stuff. And Bella was like, Well, yeah, we are. And the girl like made a face and got really like weird. And I don't know what it was because I wasn't there, but she, it was bothering her. And she came into a room and told me this. And we just ended up having this really great conversation. And I was like, You know, rich is relative. Somebody that is in poverty and, you know, is homeless would think that, you know, I give an example of like a person that works a blue collar job in our life, like that they're very rich. And so to them, they are. And to that other person, that blue collar worker, we are rich. But to the person that owns Google, <laughs> we're right, not, it's nothing. So I was right. explaining, like, I, I, I'm really working with my kids on de assigning all the meaning. And really, like, what do you think? Like, to me, I know what wealth is. And it really has very little to do with things. It's the freedom to buy things, cash, like big expensive six, seven figure things. That's to me, like, that's what I want to do. But it's, but that's relative to me. And so we just kind of worked through that. And I let her know also like, yeah, like to this person we are. And why did you, like, she felt weird about it because of something that she believes and something that she was told in her home. But wealth is something that, is in your future because you're open to it. And this is your birthright because you are a child of the living God and he is the God of abundance. We serve the God of literal, everything comes from him, the God of abundance. And so the only way that would not be what you get is from anything that you would choose to believe differently than what he has set before you. Um, And we talked about how, like, I'm just giving you examples for people that are listening that have kids, but. We've also talked about missionaries and how there are people who are called to go and do the thing and maybe not really be wealthy in in terms of finances, but they're wealthy in terms of how loved and supported they are. Do you know how much money it costs to go to Ethiopia right now? Do you know like the danger you're putting yourself in? Do you know that you have to eat? What are you going to wear? Where are you going to get clean water? Like, how are you, what are you, where are you even going to get the money to do for the people there, whatever you're going there to do? Like, mm-hmm. that's a lot of, that's wealth. That takes a lot of money, but they are called for a specific life. So they don't just build wealth and have money and invest and do all these things. They go, they're the ones that are going and doing the actual thing that wealthy people are building wealth to do. And so we just have, we have these kind of conversations about different different people. And I want my kids to be very aware of different socioeconomic statuses and how people get there and what our job is. I mean, honestly, as white people and as people that live in America to do something about this and like what justice is and where money comes into that and like dirty politics and all, I mean, my kids know all of these things. And the only thing that we do, like, I don't have any books about this. I've never read anything about teaching your kids this. But I know that when stuff comes up, I talk to them about it. I'll They'll hear me talking to my husband about whatever just happened in the news, and they'll ask me about it. Um, we've talked recently about, they were asking about our president and why everyone hates him so much. And that's... That's a loaded little gun right, right. there but <laughs> I was I, focused, well, I, I let me go over a list for you yeah. but I, I <laughs> we used got the three opportunity hours. seriously I used <laughs> the opportunity to talk about money and I explained like this is who he was before this is what he built and so the convert I showed them comments there was comments on Twitter that I, I just googled it and I found that you can find them right now hate because not because of the women thing, there's that too, not because of the president, nothing, there's all those, but focus on just the money and Google it and you will find a slew of hateful tweets and comments literally have nothing to do with anything except the fact that he is wealthy. Um, and people like wanting to like they used to like walk up to Trump and like want to touch him because he was like the youngest millionaire of the time or billionaire or something like that. They would just mm-hmm. want to touch him to like get his like magic juju. Like I want to be rich too. And and I w- I explained that to them. We had a conversation about people that do and build something and people that just think it's luck and the way they act and the way they talk and the way their bank accounts reflect that mindset. So the kids know. And yesterday my son was like oh i feel i think i'm getting sick and bella my daughter was like don't say that if you think it, it's going to happen like take control of your thoughts and say i'm going to i'm going to drink a green juice and take a vitamin i'm i'm choosing to be well my body is well and i have control i'm going to fill it with what it needs so that i don't feel like this tomorrow and i was so proud of her because this is the conversations that come up in our home so as parents we have a choice to empower our kids and teach them the truth. And like, don't we all want to raise kids that grow up and aren't jerks? I don't want them to be rich jerks. I want them to be wealth builders for the kingdom of God. I want them to have a voice. I want them to serve the people. I want them to show up and I want them to have money to back up where, what their mouth is saying. And I think that's so powerful. Um, because you know,
0: uh, one of Justin's roommates in college, um, he was his family was super, super wealthy. Um, Mm -hmm. Literally would have to like ask Justin to make him a hot dog. Dude never did anything for himself. Oh my gosh. You know what I mean? I'm I'm not exaggerating. Like I am fully like, (laughs) like did not know how in the microwave, right? Put it on for 40 seconds. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, like, but that I feel like is where we get the bad name of like, um, you know, like just having money. It's like, no, I'm, I plan to be very wealthy and I also plan for my children, I mean, I guess they'll be entitled, I mean, just, you know, with privilege, with wealth, like you get of course. different experiences, sure. Mm-hmm. But I like my kids need to be able to handle money. I love Dave, Dave Ramsey will literally say, if any of my kids were dumb with money, they would not get my inheritance. I would take it off in a heartbeat. I will not give the absolutely. burden of wealth to a child who has absolutely no capacity to handle it. Like this yep. is a responsibility. You to Absolutely. So, and, you know, and it's on you to teach them, but obviously you don't have ultimate control.
1: Oh, for sure. Once (laughs) they're adults, it's like, I hope, I hope you were listening. Like it's not on me now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so like you're, um, I love how you said it in something else that you did that wealth is our birthright. Just being like a daughter of, you know, Mm -hmm. God. And so, but it's Mm -hmm. like my wealth is not my children's birthright. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I mean, it no p- hopefully will be. Do you know what I mean? But like there's no way that if my like I'm not gonna let you squander everything that I've worked so hard for. And I and I pray that as I'm teaching my kids, as I'm because I'm learning, Lord knows, mm-hmm. um, you know, that they will learn how to do that. So I'm just excited about that. And so affirmations. Let's talk yeah. about this really quickly because I know that sure. you are a huge believer in affirmations with um just in general. We talk about it a lot on here, but how did that help you? Um, in your just wealth and financial journey, did that kind of coincide with the book that you read? Plus, I'm sure other books and whatever else.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if you go down this path of like, if you research or read books or anything that are kind of about like the power of thought, the power of words, um, uh, like kind of very like law of attraction, that kind of stuff, you're going to get a lot of fluff. So we have to balance it out with the word of God, which is funny because... <laughs> Literally everything that I've ever read that's been very like universalist, um, law of attraction, all this—it's physically, it's, it's scripture. It's just said differently right. because people are <laughs> scarred by religion and they don't want to hear it. And it's just funny to me because the Bible is the ancient text, and this has all been said by Jesus or prophets, and everyone's like hearing it said a different way, and they're like oh yeah, I really resonate with that. I, like, I really don't like, I don't, I don't want to do the Christian thing. I really resonate with that though. And it's like, it's mm-hmm. literally the same thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, yep. I had funny a friend of more... mine who had like, had put something on, on Facebook. It was like a, it was literally a verse from the Bible. It was something in Proverbs. And I know that they like are not a believer and like very openly not. And I'm like, I literally wanted to just type, like you realize that that's, what verse, what verse that is? Because they were like, Yeah, oh, absolutely, 100% this. I'm like, You know, that's biblical, right? But I didn't that's because a, I don't go there. But, anyways, like
1: a, yeah, I know it's a whole thing. And it's like the more I dive into both of those worlds, the more it all leads back to scripture. So I think it's really, I think that's really beautiful. But, um, anyway, I like, yeah, I definitely from the Jensen Chero book, I definitely picked that up. And that was when I first had my. My first taste of something called affirmations, but this is scriptural. You know, the tongue is a double edged sword. Um, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Um, there's tons and tons of scripture that talk about taking ownership of your thoughts and being careful what you say. Um, have you ever read about the study that they've done on water and how? Literally, like, I don't know the scientific word, so I'm going to butcher it here, but just look it up. It's um, <laughs> okay. like the ions or whatever in the water change according to, if you say positive or negative things to it.
0: Um, mm, I they feel like I've heard this about it. plants or something.
1: It's, I was just going to say, they've also done this with plants and rice, like rotting rice. The rice rotted and turned black from saying, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. You're stupid. All of these things. And then the other bulb, even as I'm saying that, I feel the energy of negativity in my, in my stomach. Like words are mm-hmm. so powerful. God created everything with just words, and we are made from his image. So I've never understood why there's any confusion about this with the Christian circle. But um, and then the other rice saying, like, I love you you're beautiful, you're doing a great job. I'm sure that the person doing this felt like a psycho talking to rice, but the study showed, and then other people, like we did this in our homeschool, other people have done it since, and the same thing, and plants, plants will wilt, or they will grow to the side. Um, They will even grow towards the the person where they were standing when they were speaking life, because the plants will grow towards the sun if they're not getting enough sun, and the same thing happens with speaking words. Like, this is This is huge. This is why we're careful with what music we listen to and all these things because words matter. So with money and with affirming, what I learned was um, the stories in my head sounded a lot like, If I don't go to college and I have this success, I am going to embarrass my dad and disappoint him. I'm going to hurt him. My success is going to hurt someone else. Money is the root of all evil. I better not pursue it. I just want enough. I just want to make $3,000 a month. My family will be okay. That's all I want. And there's so much powerlessness in those thoughts. So when you flip it and you say, by me succeeding, I am paving a new path. To where somebody doesn't have to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to a university to live a decent life. And I am going to prove that. And I am going to further this legacy from my Cuban relatives of America. This is what America is about, is the entrepreneur, the American dream. And I am going to redefine what that looks like. And it's definitely not going to have anything to do with paying six figures to some chump who started a university like no way i'm going to do this myself i that feel feel that the difference between that and the original statement like there's you feel it because it has energy words matter and then saying like money is not the root of all evil the obsession over hoarding money greed obsession of money is the root of all evil. This is why people cheat. This is why people leave their husbands for someone else. This is why um, people murder each other. Like the, that is the root of all evil. And this is why people that experience um, rapid fame and wealth, and they weren't ready for it. This is why bad things happen because of that, because of how they perceived and handled money, the story they assigned to money is what led to the root of all evil. So changing these statements around, that helps kind of break down that inner barrier that you have. So let's say that somebody has a block of, um, they were told that rich people are evil and they wanna be rich and they're worried because what's their mom gonna think? The easiest way to figure out where you're at with money is to imagine yourself being a millionaire, being interviewed for Forbes and then asking yourself, what will my parents think? That's the quickest way to kind of tune in to where you're at. Mm -hmm. So um, like if you have that belief and you're thinking that like rich people are evil, rich people are evil, that's your subconscious belief. The affirmation would help you kind of break it down. It's not the only way, but it is a big piece of it. So breaking it down to say like when good people make good money, they do great things when good people make good money, they do great things. And letting that be an affirmation that counters that limiting belief. And you can literally feel even as I'm saying, I don't have that limiting belief right now. But even as I'm saying this, I feel it in my, like in my chest and in my upper gut, you feel the energy of the words you're saying, because it's real, and it matters. So saying affirmations and speaking life over your wealth, over your business, over your family, over your body. I've done this with um, not getting sick. I've done this with um, my hormone disorder and bringing balance into my body. Just speaking, choosing to use the power of the almighty creator that I was made in his image and choosing to harness that and speak health and wellness over myself has changed my entire life. I do this over my kids. and I have an episode about that on my show that my child completely changed from the words I was speaking over him. So it's about the, it's not about this woo-woo ritual where you're just chanting something and it changes the course of the universe. No, it's you're choosing to take control over your words, which are incredibly powerful. Look at scripture and make it further God's kingdom, not take away from it.
0: Yeah. I think it's super powerful. I mean, I heard affirmations kind of before following you a couple years ago. Um, and I, I mean, I think I've shared your, do you even know what episode that is? It's something, whatever it is from your show. Yeah. Uh,
1: we can look it up, but I think it might be episode. It's, it's positive words for your children. If you look up positive words for your children, Ali Casaza, it'll come right up.
0: Yeah. And so I remember listening to that. I remember cleaning my kitchen while I was listening to it. And I just remember like Tears and my whole body was like, because I'm mm. not really well. I'm not really a yeller, but I I can be, and so mm-hmm. I just would. I I just remember whatever day, you know, divine intervention, call it that, because I just wow. was feeling so. Um, we one of your kids is kind of like one of mine. You got your fool follower, you got your sweet one, and then you got your one that's like, mm-hmm. okay, this is this is gonna be this a little tough. different.
1: So yeah. yeah. So
0: so he um had just been really hard, and I remember um hearing that actually, uh, or whatever. And I started to just affirmations for our family and whatever else. And so I'd already kind of heard about them, but I really started doing it then. And it's changed. I mean, it changed so much, it, not just, we all do affirmations. They say them themselves now, but also in a way where you speak to your children, Lord, I'm getting on a tangent, but it's not just say I am loved. I am patient. I am kind. I am all of, like, we follow the fruits of the spirit. And so, mm-hmm. but it was also like, Hey, I need somebody super kind to go put their trucks away. I need somebody mm-hmm. who has, you know, a lot of whatever. And so it was like just this different way of talking about him instead of like freaking go put your truck away.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, or like and how many like, times have I told you? Like, yes, that's the energy. It, it's got yep. something to do with the tone, but you could say like, you are, you are so stupid in like a happy tone. And it's almost worse than if you yelled it in an angry tone. Like the words that you're saying matter. So yeah, that's so good, Stephanie. Like I need somebody that's really helpful and just such a good support for mom to go and pick up the living room. And first of all, when I say things like that, I know exactly which kid is going to go do it. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Okay, listen, I have have four boys, right? You have four kids too. They're
0: all blonde hair, blue eyes, except this one that I'm talking about has green eyes. So now we're like, I need somebody with green eyes to go pick up that truck. And he's like, oh, I'm the only one in the whole house.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's so cute. But and (laughs) they love it. And like when we like when we have these conversations about money, about entrepreneurship, about um, you know, whatever my kids' path is gonna be, we talk about college, we talk about everything because I don't know. When we have these conversations, I'm saying things like that, like, you know, you have such a purpose you are the most gentle, brilliant, patient person in this house. I am so excited to see what you feel pulled toward. And I explained that to them. We do. We also do a five minute meditation together every single day in our house, a guided meditation. I can give you the link for that. It's very empowering for kids. It's a kid meditation and it teaches them to imagine a magic wand in their mind and they can, wherever they point it, it lights up and it teaches them to focus on their, so they light up their breathing. They're focusing on their breathing. They light up their feelings and they're focusing on how they're feeling. It's really, really great. I can send mm-hmm. you that. Um. Just yeah. Box me, but um. Also, like, we do that, and we're having these conversations, teaching them that internal compass that God gave them, how to use it, and like saying, like, you are so all of these things. I can't wait to see what you are feeling pulled towards. The older you get, if you're gonna go to school, if you're gonna start a business, if you're gonna be a firefighter, I can't wait to see what you feel pulled towards. Already teaching them that that's how you figure it out. You ask God, you open to guidance and he gives you that internal pull because you are already destined for what your purpose is. And you you tap into that by feeling that pull. Do you know how empowering it is to give that to a seven-year-old boy? Boys are taught not to feel. They're taught to suck it up. And mm-hmm. and kids are taught to like go to college and get and figure it out. Like, I don't know, just go for something, go to general ed, figure it out. And so to teach them that the, that the answer is inside of them. And there's this internal pull that God will show them. I just, I want to raise kids that are empowered. I want to raise kids that have had life spoken over them on a daily basis. I want to raise kids that know how to feel boys and girls. I want them to see my husband and I being a team, not stuck in these traditional gender roles that are the opposite of our personalities where we're miserable, but at least he's the breadwinner and I'm the you know, stay at home mom, even though that was not my thing. I was miserable. I want to mm-hmm. raise them to see this empowering vision of God touching down on, on this earth and giving each person a purpose and a drive, ambition or servitude. Like everyone has these different things and to learn how to look within and feel where that's pulling them and follow that and then build a crazy ton of purpose and wealth out of that, whatever that pool is for them that's the sweet spot. Like screw college. If it's not a part of it, who cares? Like let's teach them this. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I feel like I kind of just want to mic drop on that. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) On that note. uh, That was great. Um, But I do want to say too, and just talk through maybe uh, one last thing. I know that I've had you forever now, but um, I just, you know, so obviously you're an entrepreneur. Um, Your income is kind of unlimited. I mean, I'm not going to go mm-hmm. into this whole passive income thing. But honestly, if you were to like not be here tomorrow, your business would still make money for yourself, right? That content is always there. Now, if you choose, um, because I do want to make a distinction there that like not everybody is going to be in a career that is making millions. Not everybody mm-hmm. has the you know desire to have a side hustle or a small business or whatever else. And so I think it's really important too that like you exactly like you were saying earlier, wealth right it's not just mm-hmm. about the millions like you know mm-hmm. we are we have rental properties that are making money for us and so that income yep. is like infinite you know yep. like you can be making and i i just again went on this in my last episode my last financial episode um and basically i want to empower my boys to know how to handle money so mm-hmm. that whatever they pursue i don't care if it's if that job Um, I want them to follow their passion and whatever that passion is, if it makes them $25,000 a year, Mm -hmm. I want them to feel like, okay, I know how money works. I know how to handle money. I can live either below my means, invest in some kind of asset that's making me money. Like I want them to be able to, and I I kind of feel like this is what you're saying also, like I want them to be able to pursue what God has put on their heart um, regardless of the income and still Mm -hmm. be able to manage wealth or manage the money well and find wealth out of it whether that looks Absolutely. like, you know, like whatever that looks like. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Everybody <laughs> to can figure it out. Well, everybody, everyone, no matter if you make $50,000 a year or $5 million a month, your money should be working for you. And it's okay that that might take you some time. It's okay that it's overwhelming. It's okay that it sounds a little boring, but you want the end result. Like it's all okay. But this is where ownership comes in. This is where we can take that teacher's salary and we can turn it into an empire is is investing and doing good things, making our money work with us and not just be enough for us um and this is everyone can do that it, literally everyone mutual funds it's so there's so much. It is in everyone's, that's why I always say like everyone's income is unlimited because we all have the ability to do these things and use these tools. Absolutely. And I, and I think that too, we, we get the narrative of like, you work hard for
0: money. And so then we work hard for money and that's where everyone stops. Not everyone, but you know, that's where we stop, where we need to continue the narrative of like, okay, you do need to work hard. You do need to, you literally have to work for, well, in some cases, initially, you got to work for money, you got to do so you got to put some work in, even if it becomes pet, like, we're getting money through rental properties right now, I'm not working. Um, But we work Mm -hmm. to get that rental property ready. So you have to work for money. But then that's where a lot of people stop. We have to continue that narrative and then make that money work for us. And that's what the piece that I don't feel like people are um, a lot of people and and me included, you know, count two years Mm ago, uh, are at so I think just having that conversation, like, let's, let's, like, remove that bookend that we are, living this narrative that we're just you know working for money and because then mm-hmm. it's gone your your wealth is your wealth or your income is gone once this generation ends well then you have to keep
1: night. pursuing whatever it was to make more um
0: so you know what i mean so i feel like taking that book into way is kind of what you're trying to do what i'm trying to do and to remind people like okay let's flip this now your money needs to work for you like what does that look like yep Love it. Okay. So, um, all right. So, well, let's wrap this up. I think that we talked about so much, Allie. Unless there's anything else that you kind of want to say, can you um, feel free to say anything else that you want to say? But also, like, how can we find you? Um, I know that you've been such a huge just – I mean, you're literally the reason this podcast is even here. Um, And my life is dramatically different, just even in my home and whatever, from your courses that I've bought um, and just your podcast that you've listened to. So, where can we find you? Where can people kind of – Get all things Allie.
1: Yeah, I love that. Um, Well, I think just connect with me on Instagram. I mean, just search Allie Casals on Instagram and I'll come up, but Also, like, I want to help you guys that are listening. If there's, if you have a business that you want to grow, like we're launching a business membership, like if you need to simplify your home so that you have more energy and brain space to think about building wealth, like I can help you with that. Like, My whole company is here to support people who want to live a counterculture life.
0: Okay, (laughs) so I hope that this conversation has challenged you. I hope that it has inspired you. I can tell you it is really powerful to be in a room or in a conversation with good people who are making a lot of money. The author of Rich Dad Poor Dad says, if you talk about money in a room full of rich people, they consider it an intellectual conversation. But if you talk about money in a room full of poor people, it's considered rude. Isn't that interesting? I mean, yes, it takes more than just money to change the world and to do good, but typically you can only go so far without some sort of financial assistance, right? I can completely speak to the majority of wealthy people that I know. Y'all, they are extremely generous. And if you are struggling with your mindset around making money and building wealth, I would encourage you to read two books. The first one being Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and the second one is called The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. You know, a friend of mine recently adopted a baby and I sent some money her way via like Venmo for meals. And she just said, thank you. Like that wasn't necessary. And then all of a sudden we started talking about how we're both working on just being open to receiving financial blessings, right? Like her with this adoption and me, honestly, like when we get new placements in foster care, like the outpouring just comes in (laughs) and you feel awkward to take it. Right. But she brought up that The, you know, all of this money is God's money anyways. We're just moving it around. And how true is that? So if money is all God's, then how can it be bad? And the truth is, y'all, it's not, right? Money is amoral. It is neither good nor bad. The love of money can cause issues because, you know, you're chasing a ghost. And if you have an insatiable appetite for more, it's going to leave you feeling completely empty because you can never like have enough. But if you know your identity is secure, and in my case, in Christ, then money is nothing more than a tool, right? A tool that you can use for good. This is why debt is so paralyzing. Oh my gosh. Like I said in this interview, being chained by debt, I think, is the number one way Satan is attacking Western Christians. Like we become so self-centered, like Allie was talking about, so self-focused, We live in fear, in scarcity, in anger, you know, and it's extremely closely tied to broken marriages. I mean, I could go on. So freedom from debt leads to this abundance of choices, which in the hands of good people can lead to just world change. And there's a pretty comprehensive study, which I'll link to in the show notes, that shows that women not only own and control greater wealth than ever before, but they're also changing the direction of wealth management and the goals of wealth creation, okay? And so here's what the study says. Women far more often say societal causes have become more important than wealth accumulation in defining a legacy, with 62% of women agreeing compared with only 53% of men. This suggests that as women accumulate greater and greater assets, they may shift more capital towards charitable giving and social projects, even at the cost of greater future wealth. So y'all, it's, it's really not even about like getting money and hoarding it. It's about serving people. And then we make money and then we use that money to create world change. And this is why we are so passionate about normalizing wealth for women. Join me next week as we move into Faith Week here at Legacy Through Motherhood. We will be talking about the difference between self-sacrifice and self-denial. Mamas, if you struggle with balancing self-care and the call from Jesus to deny ourselves, tune in with me next week as we walk this line between the two together. I am so excited to have this conversation with you and help you find your grit while completely covering you in grace.